Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour, home of quality interviews for 18 years, broadcasting from the coast of Carolina and landing right where you are. Thank you for tuning in. So, this is Paul Leslie's one and only interview with a politician. Now, let's explain here quickly. The mayor of Charleston, South Carolina, John Tecklenburg, is also a jazz pianist. He shares his love of jazz music and the city of Charleston with your interviewing host, Paul Leslie. This one went out over the FM radio in Charleston, South Carolina. Now it's available to one and all to listen digitally around the globe. Hey, real quick, you know the Paul Leslie Hour is made possible by, well, people like you, persons like you, ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls like you, the listener. If you have a moment, make a difference. Just go to www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. We thank you in advance for your interest and support. Now let's get this interview with the mayor of Charleston, South Carolina, going. Paul? I've been hosting this show for 13 and a half years, and this is the first first mayor or the first of any kind of government official I've ever had. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) Indeed. So thank you for being that man. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure. Well, ladies and gentlemen... I want to introduce you to this man. If you don't know him already, he's a jazz musician, but you might know him as the mayor of Charleston, the very beautiful, historic, scenic city in South Carolina. Thank you for making the time to do this. Well, Paul, it's a pleasure to be with you. And um, jazz is, uh, is a passion of mine, so one of my favorite topics to talk about. Well, I want you to take us back a little bit. What would a typical day in the Tecklenburg household look like? Well, I'm not sure that this would be an everyday occurrence, but um, I just have these memories of, a, as a young child, my grandmother was a piano teacher, and um, she played the piano so beautifully and so well, in addition to teaching, and, and whenever the family would gather around for any kind of family occasion and there was a piano as long as there was a little uh, shot of bourbon on the rocks over on the right side of the piano my grandmother would be sitting there just playing her heart out (laughs) and and um, whenever there were older folks around um, aunts and uncles and friends they would just and having a family or gathering or a party everyone would be singing while she played and she played by she could read music obviously because she was a teacher but she she played so well by ear so you could just say miss tech do you know such and such a song and if she didn't if you just hum a couple of bars of it she'd be rocking and rolling with it she had a stride piano sound like errol garner and uh she was a she was really a terrific piano player so um that's that's one of my early memories growing up and being around and so um definitely it was an influence on my love of music and how did you get pointed in the direction of jazz what was it about it that 
that got you? Well, I um, I played the piano, you know, from grammar school, and um, being I don't know that I had great exposure to mainstream jazz growing up in South Carolina at the time, and my parents really didn't listen to that style of music. I studied a good bit of Gershwin when I was uh, in high school, and, and that certainly got me um, going in the right direction. But it really wasn't until I was in college that um, meeting some friends in Georgetown University and in Washington, D.C., uh, friends at, at, um, at, at college and, and being able to go to jazz clubs there in D.C. that I really started taking a, a real passion to jazz and um but the probably the biggest single event was uh, I was blessed to have saved up some money working um after my freshman year in college and after sophomore year I'd saved this money and I went to Europe for about 10 weeks and I ran into this guy and he was going I'd never heard of it he was going to the Montreux Jazz Festival and I said well gee that sounds interesting do you mind if I tag along with you and I did and uh, for two weeks, it was literally the, the finest jazz musicians, mostly Americans, who were over there uh, with Pablo Records that summer. And, and it was just like a, a total indoctr- indoctrination and education of, uh, of American and, and jazz idiom for during that two weeks. It just totally turned me on. Who would you say your favorite piano players are? Well, that would that'd be a pretty long list uh, because um, <laughs> I'm I'm a fan of many. Bill Evans is clearly um, right up there at the top, if not my favorite of all times. He's so um, introspective and capable and thoughtful. You know, I, I I really enjoy his playing a lot. Kenny Barron, I'm a big fan of uh, Keith Jarrett, Hank Jones. I saw here in um, Charleston one time, and um, I love his playing. Oscar Peterson, I've seen, uh, uh, in fact, he was at that festival in, in Switzerland that I mentioned. During college age, I was a big fan of Chick Corea's and Herbie Hancock's. And then later when I started studying early earlier jazz because of my great uncle's um, career, I started listening, you know, to Fats Waller and Errol Garner and um, and uh, and folks from the 20s and 30s um, that many people probably would have never heard of, like Art Shute and um, Irvin Brodsky and folks like that. Um, but anyway, the the list could go on. Would it be possible for you to pick a favorite jazz record? That that's a difficult one. Because I've I've got a number of favorites and folks that I like so much. I tell you, I, I'm a big fan of um, Dexter Gordon's, and and um, I can't say it's all on one album, but um, Rasan Roland Kirk is I'm a big fan of his, and as I mentioned, Bill Evans. There's a I guess one of my favorites is this duet. There were two duet albums that 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 uh, Bill did with um, Tony Bennett that they're just uh, remarkable uh, recordings. You are incredibly hip. (laughs) You mentioned this festival that you went to. Yeah. 
What was the best concert you attended, regardless of genre? Well, during that festival, this might surprise people because it included everybody from Dizzy Gillespie to even Bill Evans, who I just mentioned I'm such a big fan of, and Oscar and Roy Eldridge and Clark Terry and and just all these luminaries of jazz. But, but the most exciting, spiritual, just kind of blow-your-mind player and performance was that of Rasan Roland Kirk. He, he, was really, um, he was really incredible. I think it's very interesting about your experience at the Berkeley College of Music. Was moving to Boston an adjustment for you? Well, um, not too bad. Um, I had been in Washington for, for college for four years before I went to uh, Berkeley in Boston, and I knew some some um, folks there. My girlfriend at the time was actually from a suburb of Boston, and my grandmother had family up there. So no, no, it wasn't a. It was it was fine other than the cold weather. It was the spring of '78. They had this huge blizzard, and that's part of what drove me home. <laughs> What was the most fascinating or the most interesting thing you learned at Berkeley? Well, um, I was intimidated, let me say that first, by um, the level of musicianship of um, the kids there. And I, I, as I mentioned, had already graduated from college, so, so the average student was a little younger than me, and they were all monsters playing-wise, so... Um, so uh, I had to learn something about myself in in all of that and how much I needed to practice and and uh, play. I was uh, very interested in in learning the theory and the harmonics and you know learning to use uh, chromaticism and um, whole tone scales and things like that and where it's appropriate. So um, I, I I enjoyed. Um, that part end of it and found found that to be very fascinating. We're talking with Mayor John Tecklenburg. We just did an interview with Mike Veck of the Charleston River Dogs baseball team. And he said, Charleston is becoming a music town. Do you agree? Well yeah, I do agree with that. And um the the number of venues for live music has grown uh, considerably when I moved back to Charleston in 83, uh, within uh, just a few weeks, I started playing with Mike Gennaro out at Gennaro's uh, restaurant. They used to be out on Savannah Highway, and I played with, with Mike for over 30 years. And uh, back then, there were just a few places in town where a live band, where you might find a live band. Yeah, it's 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 definitely grown, and, and I think we're thankful to the music programs at the College of Charleston. They have a excellent jazz program. Quentin Baxter and many other fine musicians have come out of there. And, and now there's a music program that Mark Sturbank runs up at Charleston Southern University. So all of this has, in fact, added to um, the Charleston, quote, becoming a music town. I agree. It's great. Let's, let's, um, let's keep it going. In addition to music, there have been some fine literary contributions Charleston has made to the world. 
Did you ever meet the author Pat Conroy? I did. I I knew Pat. I met him um, in the early 90s, to tell you the truth, involved with um, politics. He was a supporter of Senator Hollings, who I helped um, in a campaign or two, and of our former mayor, Joe Riley, when when Joe ran for governor back in 94. And Pat had... um, had fundraisers for for both of those gentlemen when they were running, and I was involved in setting up the the events and getting to know Pat. And he's a friend of my dear friend, uh, the mayor of Beaufort, Mayor Kaiserling down there is a childhood um, friend of uh, Pat's. Pat, you know, grew up in the Beaufort area, so um, I was blessed to um, to have known Pat. He was an amazing individual. Different places have different ideas that people have about the people who live there. In the course of doing this show, I've noticed that people from New York really, really like to talk. It's almost it's, it's almost a given. What would you say defines the people of Charleston, their commonality? Well, um, hospitality comes to mind. Uh, we're very hospitable people. And uh, we 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 generally are gracious and and kind and and helpful and um, caring about our neighbors and and even strangers and people that come to visit. So um, so I I think that's one of our trademarks. And if someone was to visit Charleston and they could only have one day here, what would you suggest that they do? One day here, I would just, I think, advise them not even to take a tour, uh, an official tour or anything, but just get out and walk around the city. It's a very walkable place, and um, you you see how humans of a scale we have, but to, you, you just, you feel the heritage, the history, the architecture, the people by getting out and walking around the city. Um, that that would be my one day recommendation. Now, for the most controversial question I have, it's about food. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's some great, great food in Charleston. If you had to leave Charleston for some reason, where would you have your last meal? Well, I'm hoping I have my last meal down at Edisto. Uh, it's like a second home. For me, my my grandmother on my mother's side, not the piano playing grandmother, but my other grandmother had a home at Edisto, and we would spend summers down there, and it became like a second home to me. So um, I'm hoping my last meal's down there. <laughs> <laughs> What's something about you that people don't know? Well, um, now that I'm. Uh, Somewhat of a public figure, I guess. I, I'm, I'm not sure that there's anything <laughs> left that um, that they don't know about me. But um, I, I guess everybody knows that I love jazz and music. And and uh, the one thing I didn't mention about Boston and and what was fascinating that I really uncovered there was, um, and it began a lifelong journey for me was was to dig into the the music and the career, musical career of my great uncle, um, Fudd Livingston. I had always heard when I was a kid 
that he had wrote this song called I'm Through With Love, but I never really heard much more about his um, musical career because he kind of unfortunately was somewhat the black sheep of the family and um, became quite an alcoholic later in life. But his early life was, in fact, filled with um, an incredibly active music career playing with with the best of the best in the 20s and 30s. So when I was at Berkeley, I went to the card catalog one day. They had a, like a music library where you could listen to um, recordings because I was wondering if there was this recording of that song, I'm Through With Love, that I had heard about. And I found it in the card catalog, but then I kept flipping the cards and there were more songs that he wrote. Imagination and Feeling No Pain and Humpty Dumpty and Harlem Twist and the list went on and then I started finding out the bands that he played in and the recordings that he he made and it just led to um, basically a lifelong research project that I've been engaged in to uncover uh, the incredible body of work that my great uncle was involved with in early jazz history. So you could say that jazz is in your blood. There you go. I got just a tiny little bit of that gene, but uh, because Fudd and his brother and my grandmother, they they were all just incredible musicians. People from all over listening in, not just Charleston. What do you think maybe people who've never been to Charleston would be surprised about? What's something about Charleston that many people don't know? Hmm. Well, this this is interesting. Um, you know, one of the center points of our city for at least for uh, festivals and community events is Marion Square, uh, right in the midst of town. Most people would not know or guess that um, the city of Charleston does not own that property, does not own the park. It is owned by two longstanding militia. And, uh, in fact, Marion Square is the original parade ground of the Washington Light Infantry and the Sumter Guards, which are two um, um, historic militia that are still in, in, uh, in business, so to speak, still, in, still active, and they own the property. So whenever the city, um, we have a lease, the city has a lease of the property from the Washington Light Infantry and the Sumter Guard. And uh, but for any major things to occur or if we need to change anything, uh, we actually have to get the permission of uh, those two organizations. Interesting. What would you hope people say about you when you're not in the room? Well, um, I certainly um, hope that I will be viewed as someone who who's acted with integrity. I I always try to call things as I see them and be truthful and um, believe you stay out of trouble that way. You know, whether people agree with you or not, if you, if you take a stand and have some good reason behind why you're doing it and what you believe in, you know, that that's, that that's important. So um, I, I, I hope I'll um, be remembered or known for that. What is the best thing about being John Tecklenburg? Wow. So right now in my life, you know, in addition to my incredible wife and family, 
uh, love and support that I have. Serving as mayor of this incredible city is just a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I'm so honored to to be of service. And I, lo- I love the job. I mean, it's I feel like I was trained to do this and that I'm where I'm supposed to be. So it's it's just the best thing. Thank you. My last question. For anyone who's listening to this interview, whether they're in Charleston, just regardless of where they might be, an open forum, what would you say in closing? Well, in closing, I would just um, repeat the lesson that our community learned and hopefully relearned after the tragedy almost two years ago at uh, Emmanuel AME Church, and, and that is that love is stronger than hate. And so um, if we can all in our lives, I know it just sounds corny or old-fashioned, but if we can love each other and respect each other, whether you agree or not, you know, be be mindful of other people's needs and um, wishes and be respectful and love one another. Wow. Boy, would this world be a better place. I continue to see events around the world similar to what happened here a couple of years ago in London just the night before last with folks being killed. And, and uh, it just breaks my heart. And, and and so the need is still there for us all to um, share share that message that love is stronger than hate. Let's let's um, let's try to live that. Mayor, thank you so much for this opportunity. Wow, Paul, it's been a real pleasure. Probably talk too much about me, but I I love talking about the music and the jazz. And I hope uh, when I get off the phone, you'll play uh, play a song of my Uncle Fudd's. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Paul. Take care, sir. Thank you. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.